How come Christians are so lackluster? How come we're so spiritless? It's like the church is filled with unbelieving believers. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbur. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, log on to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. There's always the Lord and there's balance in your life. Then if the Lord blesses, man, hey, praise Jesus, man. Have some nice stuff. Which brings up our second point, a great reward. Let's read what happens next here, picking up in chapter 15, verse 1. It says, now, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, do not fear, Abraham. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. So obviously this Eleazar must have been a faithful guy in his household, so he was going to give everything to him. Verse 4, then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man, talking about Eleazar, will not be your heir, but one will come forth from your own body, and he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, now look towards the heavens. God says, look at the heavens. Can you count the stars if you're able to count them? And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord. Abraham believed and he reckoned it unto him as righteousness. Yes, Abraham made a conscious choice in his life to put God first. And because of that, God speaks to him. And God reaffirms to Abraham what he promised in Genesis chapter 12 to make Abraham a great nation. But here's a sweet little twist here. God confirms that, that the nation will come from Abraham's own seed. Oh, this isn't going to be some like adopted child. This isn't going to be a child through someone else. This is going to be between you and your wife. Meaning somehow, some way, this 80-year-old man was going to have a son to carry on his name. This was a time when many men would say, uh, excuse me, Lord, uh, God, how is this going to happen? My wife has desired to have children for decades now. Decades. She's wanted to get pregnant for like, oh, let's say the last 50 years. And she hasn't got pregnant. I've watched her fall asleep, drenched in her own tears all these years. Plus, in case you haven't noticed, I'm in my 80s and my wife, Sarah, she's in her 70s. How are we going to start popping out babies like Octomom? How's that going to work, okay? We're way past our childbearing years. Yet Abraham said none of that. He didn't say that. He just simply believed God. Hey, I don't know how it's going to happen, but you're God. I'm not. No, it didn't make any sense to him. It didn't make any sense. But God spoke it. And because God spoke it, he believed it. Let me ask you here now today, those of you that are listening, do you believe what God says? I mean, when you sit down and you read the word of God, the Bible, do you believe it? 
When you're hearing in a church service, you're hearing the message, do you believe it? Or do you doubt your salvation at times? Do you doubt the things that are happening? Do you doubt that anything can change in your life? Oh, I'm just in a mess. I'm just, the whole thing's a mess. Everything's a mess. It's all messed up. COVID-19, everything's messed up. Do you not believe that God can move in these times? And there's those times that, you know, when we're feeling like Christians, like, yes, you know, I'm a, I'm a V8 running on 12 cylinders. You know, I'm just Mr. Faithful, Mrs. Faithful. We all have days like that. And then there's those days that we're like totally falling on our face. You know, we've, we've lied, we cheated, we did something wrong. We haven't been doing our Bible devotions. And then the guilt comes in and it's just like, oh, you know, I don't even know. Hey, are you going to heaven? I, I hope so. Are you saved? I, I, I hope so. What do you mean you hope so? You know, it's like, what do you mean? I, I, I hope it's all going to happen. The Bible says when we believe, we have eternal life. But then why do so many Christians doubt it at times when they don't feel like it? The Bible says in Titus 3, 5, he saved us. Jesus Christ saved us. It's not based on the, uh, on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness. It's not because, oh, you were a good boy today, so you're saved. You're a good girl, so you're going to heaven. No, it's like you're going to heaven when you're a good girl. You're going to heaven when you're not so much of a good girl. You're going to heaven because Jesus died for you, and he laid his life on the cross for you. That's why he says it's according to his mercy, not your mercy, his mercy. It's according to his washing of regeneration and renewing of his Holy Spirit. It's a work that was done, and it's not based on us. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, It is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no man and no woman could boast of it. There are many Christians who walk around feeling condemned. They walk around feeling unforgiven because you've done some bad stuff. Let's face it. It's not because those feelings just come out of nowhere. You're not obeying completely. You've got that little area. You've got that little dark closet you go to. And it's like you think, oh, man, how can I be a Christian? Look what I've done. I'm just such a, a, a filthy wretch. But yet Romans 8, 1 says this to those who believe. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. Do you deserve that? No, I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But that's what God gave us. That's the great gift. And when we fail and when we fall to sin, we have to go back to what the Lord told us. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and that he is righteous and that he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not based on you, not based on me, based on what he did for us. That's why he was slaughtered. That's why they ripped the beard out of his face. He was marred more than any man. He was like a, a lamb that was led to the slaughter for you because he bore our nasty sin on his bodies. We can look at our inabilities, which can be many at times. We can look at our weaknesses, which are many at times. And we can say, well, God could never use me because I continue to fail and I've, I've done this wrong and I've done that wrong. Yet Matthew eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and you revealed them to infants. What he was saying there was he just got done ripping the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, of the day because he told them he says you know 
John the Baptist came here and he was a prophet of prophets. He says, he's the most awesome prophet that ever lived and you rejected him. He was out in the wilderness. He didn't do anything but preach the word and thousands came out and repented of their sin. He was the epitome of a man set aside for the work of God. He didn't do anything wrong. He walked the straight and narrow. He did everything. Then you rejected him. Then I came, who am I? I'm God in the flesh. And what did I do? I came here and I've been eating and drinking with the sinners. Now he's not drinking like getting slammed. He's not, you know, doing all these things. He's, he's just hanging out where the sinners are. Why? Because Jesus said, I didn't come to save the righteous. I came to save sinners. So he would go to the sinner's house. He would go there. He would eat with them and he would share with them. That's why he took Matthew, the tax collector dog and forgave him of his sin and made him one of his disciples. And that's why Matthew's recording this right here because it resonated with him. But the religious leaders they rejected John the Baptist and said, hey, what's wrong with that guy? You know, he's out there and, you know, he has a demon, they said. And then Jesus came eating and drinking with the sinners says, oh, you know, he's a glutton and he's a drunkard. No, no, no. You got it all wrong. Yeah, see, so he says, God, you've held back what I've brought from these religious hypocrites and you've given it to just the regular people. That's who God wants to raise up, regular people. Much of the church today has become anemic. Why are we so anemic? Why are we so bland? Why are we so wishy-washy? How come Christians are so lackluster? How come we're so spiritless? It's like the church is filled with unbelieving believers. Oh, yes, I believe in Jesus. Do you believe he can do anything? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a believer in Jesus. You know, are you, are you happy? You know, it's like, yeah, I'm a believer in Jesus. It's like, you know, you have peace in your life? I don't know. We're all going to die. COVID's here. You know, it's like, oh, oh, my goodness. We're unbelieving believers. Believers need to believe. God was God before COVID. He's God during COVID. He'll be God after COVID. Yes, God has chosen to reveal himself to the foolish. God has chosen to reveal himself to the weak. God has chosen to call those that the world has completely disregarded to be what? To be used by him. Case in point, again, we already talked about Gideon a couple times now. But Gideon was the least of the tribes of Israel. He was from the least of the family in the tribe of Israel. And he was the least in his own family. But that's who God raised up. It was David. He was the least in his family. There was eight sons of Jesse. All of them were strong and strapping men. And God rejected every one of them until they got to the youngest, which was David. And it said he was a ruddy boy with kind of reddish hair blue eyes and had a really good look so he's just like the pretty little boy and that's god says i'm gonna raise up that little boy and that little boy is gonna drop goliath like a bad habit mr fee fi fo fum and he did yes god raised him up what about mary mary is from the most insignificant city there and you know outside of jerusalem she was just a young teenager possibly only 15 years old yet god called mary to carry the savior of the world jesus in her womb and mary just simply asked the angel as she heard what this calling was for her she says uh okay uh only one problem i've never known a man before i'm a virgin and the holy spirit responded to her in luke 137 it says for nothing will be impossible with god 
Boy, how we need to hear that today. Nothing is impossible for God. Yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor. I'm turned upside down. Nothing is impossible for God. Me and my wife sold our first house. We lost every penny of that money. We moved back to serve the Lord. It didn't work out. We lost everything. We came back, and within six months, we bought a whole other house tricked it out and then what god called us again we sold that house we lost everything again (laughs) it's like then we bought a house back in virginia and then you know we bought it at the peak of the market don't you hate when you buy at the peak let's buy high and sell low no that's supposed to be the other way around you're supposed to you're supposed to buy low and sell high right michael it's like you know but we bought high and we sold low we lost like thirty-five thousand dollars on the house and that was a lot of money back then and it's just like but whatever and then we moved back and then we bought a house nicer than we could ever imagine and then it's, it's just, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. But when you serve the Lord, nothing is impossible for God. We're told that Mary pondered those things in her heart. Okay, well, I'm a virgin. I don't know a man, but hey, okay, I'm game. If you want to have the, the Savior of the world be born through me, okay. So she pondered those things, meaning she treasured those things in her heart the things that God spoke to her, she preserved them. She considered them. She didn't want to lose them. Let me ask, have you considered, have you pondered what God could do in your life? What could God do in your life? How could you be a light that shines in this city that's supposed to be completely locked down, supposed to be all, you know, we're all going to die, all of this. What could you do How could God use you? Have you pondered that? Have you pondered his eternal perspective for you personally? Have you pondered what role God has set aside for you? Your stewardship in him, the stewardship of your finances, but more importantly, the stewardship of your own life, of you being a voice where people look in your eyes and they no longer see you, but they see Jesus inside of you. Have you pondered what it will be like to look into his eyes one day, knowing that you only lived for yourself and you didn't truly believe? See, we can turn that around right now. Instead of being a wishy-washy Christian, the anemic Christian, the lackluster Christian, you could be, I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to live my life for him. I'm going to bring glory to him. I'm going to bring glory to his life. You know, you could be in another place. Maybe if you moved in a, to another state, isn't that what a lot of people are doing now? Like, let, let's move to Texas. Let's move out of here. You know, let's move, 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 move. You get out of California, this liberal, you know, you know, slime pot that we're living in here, okay? But maybe God has you here for a reason. Maybe that you're supposed to be in this slime pot with me and my wife in this slime pot so that we could be shining the light of Jesus in this slime pot, okay? Again, Abraham simply believed and God reckoned it unto him as righteousness. This, as you know, is way before the law of Moses. Moses is not born yet. Moses is coming for hundreds of years. This is before the Ten Commandments. This is before any written law has been written. Yes, Abraham, he came and believed God by faith. And it was counted unto him as righteousness or another way that that could be translated. He was in right standings with God. And of course, because Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, not much has changed today. That covenant that God made with Abraham, it's the same one that we have. We come to him, we believe him by faith. 
Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And before any son was born to Abraham, God spoke the future of Abraham's seed. Let's read it here in verse 13 of chapter 15. He says, And God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterwards they will come out with many possessions. He's talking about Egypt here. This is crazy. He's given them the whole lowdown here. Here God is able now to prophesy of Abraham's descendants before the first one was even born, that they will be in slavery for 400 years. Again, God is talking about Egypt. How did they get to Egypt? Because Abraham had a son eventually, not yet, but this is what God's talking about. It's going to be Isaac. Abraham and Sarah had a baby named Isaac. Isaac had a baby named Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. His sons turned one of his sons and sold him to Ishmaelite slave traders and sent him down, and he was sold as a slave in Egypt. God took that son, Joseph, raised him up as the second most powerful person in Egypt. Then there was a huge famine in the land. So now Jacob has to move his whole family down. There's only like 72 of them, and they moved down there because his one son was the second most powerful powerful person and we'll read all about this in detail as we get there but it's like so they move down there and they're treated with carte blanche until of course joseph dies and all that then they go into slavery and they're in slavery there for 400 years and then god delivers them through moses and then how many people came out after that 400 years like six hundred thousand men not counting the women and children. It could have been two or three million people that came out of there. So God was saying, hey, man, we're working on that. All the stars in, in the heavens that you can't count, those are going to be your descendants. He was going to deliver those people by a guy named Moses. God was going to deliver them through his mighty hand, and he would judge and devastate that nation. But notice at the end, the people will come out with many possessions, it says. And that's exactly what happened. Hundreds of years later, just like what God said, Exodus 12, 35 says, Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing, and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they gave them their request, and they plundered the Egyptians. So God's just saying, like, hey, look, it, I already prophesied it, but when you leave Egypt, you're going to take all their gold and silver. That's right. They had you captive as slaves for 400 years, call it back wages. I'm paying you. That's right. And so they plundered the Egyptians when they left. But how could God pinpoint all of that with such exacting accuracy? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.15, talking about God, that which has been and has already been and what will be has already been for God seeks what's passed by. God, God says, I've already seen it all. Remember, there's nothing new under the sun. God knows everything. He knows it all, even before anything happens, because God has already seen it. Now God has told Abraham that he would give him the land. And Abraham, you know, he brought a sacrifice in verse 9, but yet nothing happened for a while, which brings up our third and final point, a promise made. Let's read it here in verse 15 of chapter 15. He says, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and you'll be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation, 
After they returned here, for the iniquity of the Amorite has not yet complete, it came about when the sun had set that it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the great river of Egypt as far as the great river of the Euphrates. Wow. Notice before anything had happened, God tells Abraham in verse 15, you're going to die a ripe old man, meaning you're going to live a full life, Abraham. And the same goes for us if we seek God's will in our lives. If we're desiring to walk according to his plan, according to his will, that way when our time in this life ends, we will have accomplished God's purpose in us. As you know, our life, this side of heaven, will end. And you also know that the life of every single person you know on planet Earth, people you work with, your family, neighbors, that's all going to end. Some people's lives will end abruptly when they weren't expecting it. Then other people's lives, well, they'll live a long life, but it will all end in the end. But notice here, even though some will die quick and some die slow, we're all going to die. I remember... Bob Salsa, he, was, uh, he was, lived across the street from where we grew up in Ontario. And I was witnessing to Bob Salsa all the time. And his wife had come to know Christ as his savior, as her savior. And, and, uh, and one of his daughters did. And I was always ministering. My wife was ministering to his wife. But Bob, man, he was never, he was a man's man. Oh, yeah, that's, that's for weak people and whatever. And I ministered to him for years, decades. Then one day he had a stroke and he was in a hospital. And I went to the hospital to minister to him and I said, you need to give your life to, to Christ, Bob. You don't know. You, your days are numbered. And, and he goes, I just, I can't. I, I can't do it. All those years, I should have done it when I was younger and I was strong. I feel like, how could I come to him now that I'm weak? And I go, well, that's why you need to come to him. Come to Christ. Come how, as you are. And he gave his life to Christ in a hospital. And then, amen. And God took his life a few months later, but he had a few more months and he was able to reconcile with his kids and, and then God took him home and he's in heaven now. But know this, God is not willing that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. We see this in verse 16 where it appears that God has given the Amorites time to repent and if they don't, judgment will fall. But God also states there that there will be four generations for all this to happen. And since most were living until 100 years old at this point in, in the history of humanity, that would take them to the end of the Egyptian captivity, which would end with Egypt. But notice there again in verse 18, he said this, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt so far as to the great river Euphrates. Think about that. We're talking about the Nile River all the way to the Euphrates River, which runs through the center of Syria and Iraq. It's like when God took Abraham to that mountain after Lot took all the best of the land, and he says, yeah, well, forget whatever you gave Lot. I'm telling you, I give you everything. That's why there's so much anger, you know, against the Jews in the Middle East because they say, oh, the, this is the Palestinians' land and this is this and this is that and whatever, and Israel's fighting for their little sliver. God gave to Israel. He gave them from the Nile River to the Euphrates River. 
I mean, like five times the space, ten times the space of what Israel is. That's what God had given, and nothing can change that. But understand, as we end here today, there is a calling for each and every one of us. Abraham believed God. It was counted unto him his righteousness. We, if, we, if we have believed in Jesus, it is counted unto us as righteousness. And we are now called to know him. We are called to worship him. And we are called to serve him. And that's why in these last days, we as the men and women of God need to rise up. Amen. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbur of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 